Great to see you all. Welcome to Union Chapel this morning, 11:30 service. If you're joining us online today, so glad that you're up and uh, tuning in. Glad that you're with us as well. So happy to have you. Uh, we've been talking about praying dangerous prayers. We're taking our cues from a book of the same title from Craig Groeschel, Dangerous Prayers. And the whole premise is that the people of God ought to pray dangerous prayers with great boldness and faith. And the rationale behind that is that serving Jesus shouldn't be safe. That's where an amen would go normally, uh, but not today apparently. And so following Jesus isn't designed to be safe, but it is designed to be good and purposeful and fulfilling. And if we'll pray bold, dangerous prayers, it'll make a difference. Uh, Today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, I'm going to read that chapter to us. And let me just uh, give you some context here. This is the prophet Samuel, of course, and he is just a boy, and he's actually living in the house of the high priest Eli, and he lives in the temple uh, in an ancillary area. And he's not an old guy. He's a young boy. He's maybe 12 years old, we, th- we think, at this point. And we pick up the story there because today we want to use as our subtitle uh, the dangerous prayer, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. So if you have your Bibles turned to 1 Samuel 3 you, uh, or not, we'll project the words on the screen. And our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So thanks for that. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now picture that if you can. Samuel's bed is close by the place where the ark of the covenant is actually residing, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that Ark, it's a, it's a big deal, you know, it's the, like the presence of God there, it's symbolic. And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down, so he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, he said, I did not call, go back and lie down, go back to bed. Now Samuel did not know yet the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went, lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. From beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. 
Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. May God instruct us, inspire us today through his word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, last week I asked you to respond sincerely, honestly, when I asked you if you thought uh, you should have a better prayer life than you do, and almost everyone raised their hand. And we need to face the fact that prayer is not easy for everyone. There are obstacles, both natural and supernatural, that keep us from praying. We sometimes get busy. We don't know how to pray as we should. That's another excuse. We're not always sensitive to the need to pray. Sometimes we just get in a rut when we're praying. But almost all the time when we pray as Christians in today's culture, and this is just my perspective, that most of us are praying prayers which are way too safe, too safe, too routine. Uh, I don't know about you, but I remember as a young person, I would pray on occasion, but it was usually occasions like when I was in trouble, pray better when you're in trouble. (laughs) You wait till your father gets home. Well, that's a long afternoon of prayer right there. Um, When I wasn't prepared for a test at school, that, that's when I left atheism and became a believer in God. Can I get a witness? Lord, if you're real, please help me on this test. I haven't studied as I should. <laughs> that's a des- you pray better when you're desperate, and that's a desperate time. Sometimes over meals, you know, thank you, God. God is great. God is good. Let him thank- we thank you for our food or good food, good meat, good God. Let's eat. Simple little perfunctory prayers. Too many times our prayers are self-centered. They're bland. As I mentioned, they're incredibly safe. You know, God be with us. God keep us. God protect us. God bless us. Uh, Lord, bless this foot-long chili cheese dog with tater tots and cherry limeade to the nourishment of our body in Jesus' name. I'm not sure even Jesus can bless a lunch like that. I'm pretty sure he can't. We learned about King David's prayer last week when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way, offensive way in me. Straighten me out. That's a very dangerous kind of praying. Um, we, we learned about Isaiah's prayer from Isaiah chapter 6, where he saw the king, uh, God himself, on his throne, had this epiphanal revelation of God. And he hears God saying, uh, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, a dangerous prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. Very dangerous kind of praying. Here are, is our seminal verse from this passage, which we just read from 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's verse 10. I'll put it on the screen for you. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel said, and I want you to read that out loud with me. Are you ready? Speak for your servant is listening. One more time. Speak for your servant is listening. 
It's an incredibly dangerous prayer. In this case, what God told Samuel was extremely difficult to hear. I have a question for you. How many times in the Bible did God speak and give an assignment and that assignment was easy? Can you think of one? The Lord spoke to someone, gave them an assignment, and it was easy. You know, they got the assignment. Yes, Lord, I hear that. Okay, I can do that. Okay, fine. No problem. I got it. Could you mind if I wait till after lunch? Get started. Think about Noah. You know, Noah hears from God. God says to Noah, Noah, build an ark. Noah's first response is, what's an ark? God goes, well, it's a really big boat, <laughs> you know, like a football and a half long. And by the way, you need to fill it with not only your family, but, but the male and female of every species. Because when the, when the flood recedes, uh, I'm asking you to repopulate the whole earth. Noah, Noah said, okay, fine. Well, that sounds like an easy assignment. Unbelievable. You think about Jonah. Jonah's a prophet of God, and God says to Jonah, I'm calling you to go to Nineveh and preach judgment to the Assyrians there. I mean, this is the, the most wicked, perverse, violent people on the face of the earth, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And Jonah doesn't want anything to do with the Assyrians. He hates the Assyrians. And so he takes the first boat going in the opposite direction from Syria. And the story, as you know, unfolds, and he gets thrown overboard. A big fish swallows him up, and the fish swims him right back to the shores of Nineveh. <laughs> Jonah. The New Testament, here we have an angel of the Lord who visits a young teenage girl. We're not sure of her age. Her name was Mary. She's a, a young virgin. And the Lord appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son, even though you're an unmarried virgin. And oh, by the way, he's actually the son of God. So there's your assignment. Now, Mary did not respond by saying, cool, God, that sounds like a good time. That sounds like fun. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is going to blow up social media. I'm going to get very popular. Uh, this, can you imagine what this is going to do to my brand? And Mary starts imagining the hashtag, hashtag son of God or hashtag blessed or hashtag the mother of God. No, no, this is the one I'll use. Hashtag having a baby. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. So ask God to speak to you, and often what he will say to you will convict you or startle you or stretch you or scare you, or it will occur to you that what he's asking you to do is impossible or at least very uncomfortable. He, I mean, he didn't say to young Samuel, about 12 years old, hey, Samuel, you know that cute girl you keep, keep eyeballing at 180 at the youth meeting? You're going to marry that girl. You're going to have two kids together and a dog, and you're going to have a six-figure income, and you're going to be a, a YouTube influencer. Life's going to be good for you. Got big plans for you, boy. That's not what he said. He said, I, I trust you, Samuel, at 12 years old, to deliver a message because Eli, the high priest, is corrupt. His sons are blasphemous. The whole nation has turned away from me, and I'm going to give you a message that's going to make everything right, even though you're only 10 years old. Because Samuel prayed a dangerous prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Wow. 
Let me put this statement on the screen. I just want to make this point very clear before we get into the practical steps of hearing God. And that is don't ask God to speak if you don't want to hear what he says. You okay with that? Are you all right? Are you here? Is that all right? Can you hear it? Don't it? Now, that's all pretty dramatic. I understand. But let me remind you in prayer that it's essentially a conversation. People that say, I don't pray because I don't know how. We know how to have a conversation with another person, and prayer is essentially the same thing. You talk to God, and you allow him to speak to you, and you know how to talk to another person, so now you know how to pray. You know how to talk to God. He wants to hear from you from some kind of natural perspective. You don't have to change your vernacular or, or change your tone to get his attention. Just talk naturally to God. He's listening, and he wants to speak to you. Now, let me make this point, and I want, want you to hear me if you can. I want you to really listen to this. In my life, and I've walked with Jesus now for 50 years. As of last month, it was 50 years. And what I have discovered is that the times that God has spoken to me is exponentially more poor, important than the times I've talked to him. Are you, I, can you hear that? Talking to God is important, but it's in my experience, it's much more important to hear from God. It's important to talk to God. That's called prayer. And it's also very important to hear from God. And the reason I say that is just from my experience that the times I've heard from God have been much more transformative in my life and in my work and in my family and in my life in general than the times I've talked to God. Does that make sense? Are you following that? So hearing God is really an important skill. It's an important feature of our relationship with God. So here's what I want to do today. I want us to learn some basic, fundamental ways that we can posture ourselves to learn how to hear God's voice. You okay with that? So here's the first thing. Number one is you have to be still. You have to be still. In Psalm 46, God tells us how to experience his presence, and God doesn't say, be frantic, be busy, be on the go all the time. He says, be still. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. So here's just a practical way you can do this. Um, <clears throat> if you find yourself a place that's relatively quiet, that could be a challenge in today's world. Find a place that's relatively quiet and, and go there and posture yourselves in a, in a quiet way. I like, to, I like to use worship music in the background that kind of helps me rid myself of all of the pressure points in my own mind, all the things I've got to do and so forth. And so just having the worship of God just in the, in the atmosphere where I'm trying to hear God is a good thing. And then it's as simple as opening your Bible with a sheet of paper, blank piece of paper, and just read a half a chapter, a chapter of the Bible, wherever you decide you want to read. Just read a little bit and then ask yourself this question, what do I think God is saying to me through what I've just read? <clears throat> and then you write that down. And then just write it down. You do that for like five minutes every day for the next year, and a year from now you will you will have a very finely tuned capacity to hear God. I think God is, is speaking to us all the time. I think he's constantly speaking to us in all kinds of ways. 
The problem isn't God speaking. The problem is we're not listening. And the reason we can't hear God is because we don't get quiet enough, long enough, still enough to actually hear what he's saying to us. I mean, when's the last time you, you uh, binge-watched, you know, took an hour or more binge-watching some kind of thing on Netflix or, or uh, Amazon Prime or Disney or Hulu or something like that, and you just spent a lot of time investing that way? Maybe last, you know, you say, well, Pastor Greg, last week during fall break, I spent 14 hours one day, you know, binge-watching the whole season of XYZ. And we do this, don't we, all the time. Or you take an hour and you go to the gym because you like to work out, or you do video games, or you just pick up a book that you want to read, and you spend an hour doing what you like to do. When's the last time you spent an hour just listening for God? It's challenging, isn't it? And so we have to be still. We have to be still. Can I hear God if I'm not being still? Not easily. God can shout at you, but that's usually through pain. (laughs) So we have to get still. Because God speaks through his word. He, He guides, he directs, he corrects. He builds us, he encourages us, he comforts us through his word. If you tell me that you haven't been able to hear from God, I will probably say to you it's because you haven't been reading his word. Mark Batterson, our new friend, said when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth and speaks to us. This is how God speaks to us through his word. Here's the second thing. God speaks through people. God will speak to you through godly people, godly counsel, wise, mature followers of Jesus. Uh, God uses my wife and my life to speak to me all the time, and that's a good thing. Godly friends, God uses to speak to me, and so God speaks through people. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Well, these, these aren't, these aren't your, your cronies and your peers who are stumbling along in the dark like you are. These are people that you identify as wise and mature and further ahead of you in the faith. These are your mentors and your teachers and your coaches. These are people, people that you trust and you ask them for their perspective. And God will speak to you through other people. Also, God will speak to you through circumstances. Now, these are the doors that open and the doors that close in our lives. Sometimes doors are open that surprise us and we're able to walk through that door. Sometimes they close. There are sometimes doors that we would like to stay open and they close before we get through them. There are, some, there, there are other occasions when, when doors are closed and suddenly they open. And it's a remarkable experience to see God opening doors. And, and it's, a, it's a great process. How many of you are thankful that God closed doors at various parts of your life that you didn't walk through? How many of you have ever been to a high school reunion? Some of you aren't old enough to appreciate this, but you get about 20 years distance from high school graduation, and there may have been someone you were very seriously dating, you were talking about marrying them, and then you see them 20 years later, and the first thing you do is thank God. Thank God I didn't marry that guy. Wow. Lord Jesus, thank you for your delivering power. Happens all the time. (laughs) I heard a funny story from Nick Saban, who's the head football coach at the University of Alabama. It's a very 
notable coach, and he told this true story that when he was in high school, he admired this girl from another school who eventually became his wife, and he couldn't get her to date him because she was dating steady, this other guy, for two or three years, and he literally couldn't get his foot in the door. She wouldn't have anything to do with him, and finally, he talked her into going out on a date, and he persuaded her that he was the better man, and she married him, Nick Saban, and they've lived, you know, this life in very prominent ways, and they were summoned back to their hometown for some special event, and they went back together, and he had learned in the meantime that the guy that she dated all those years in high school had stayed in the area and became the owner of a garage, gas station, and Nick decided, you know, which is an honorable thing to do, of course, middle-class life. He worked hard, and he was doing his thing. But Nick, he said, couldn't resist driving her by that old, that old boyfriend's gas station while they were in town. And so he drove by and said, you know, that's where your old flame, you know, he owns that gas station there. And if you'd have married him, that's, that's, that's where you'd be now instead of with me. And <laughs> Nick said that his wife turned to him and said, well, baloney. He said, if I'd married him, he said... She, she said he would now be the head football coach at the University of Alabama, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good comeback. Yeah. God speaks through circumstances. God will also speak through his spirit. Now, we talked about this in the series earlier, uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, that sometimes the spirit of God will agitate and won't let you quite get settled around a decision, that sort of thing. And so the Spirit of God will speak to us. Now, this is more subjective, and you have to, you have to learn how to, how to nuance this subjectivity, but God will prompt you. He will move you. He will lead you. He will nudge you uh, into certain things. You know, I think I'm supposed to volunteer to help in that, in that project, or, or maybe I'm not supposed to take that job because I just sense the Spirit hesitating. Not sure why. I'm just, uh, here's, what we, here's what we know that you and I have been made in the image and likeness of God. So there are all kinds of attributes that we have that are also attributes of God, made in his image and likeness. And among those attributes is, is a connectivity with God that, that God can therefore download information to us, that, he can, that we're user-friendly to God, that we're connected to God. In fact, when we become Christians, the spirit of God comes to live inside of us, to indwell us. So the Spirit of God is in us. So God's Spirit is actually uh, around us and in us, which makes us very susceptible to hearing the voice of God. I would describe the ability to hear God's voice as an innate ability. I mean, it's just like it's there. It's naturally in us. And so, and so that's true that God can download information to us anytime he wants. And along the way, we can learn techniques that facilitate hearing God's voice. I've already mentioned the simple discipline of putting on some praise music in a quiet room and just reading the Bible for a while and then writing down what we think God's saying. That's as simple as it gets, but God will speak to us in that way. He's anxious to download information to us. And, and so we can learn these things and over time mature and grow in our capacity to hear God's voice. It's like practicing the presence of God, practicing hearing God's voice makes you better at hearing God's voice. 
The Bible says, my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know my voice. They hear my voice. They follow. So the people of God can hear the voice of God. And, and so it's part of the way God has wired us to be able to have this capacity. So I say it's innate. It can be learned. It can be matured over time. And as a result of that, uh, there are some folks that I trust more with a word from God than other people. There, there, there are people in the life of our church who may come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Gray, I heard a word from God. He wanted me to tell you this. And I can tell you that I will not trust that word because that is not a mature person. I mean, a, a person that hears from God, you know, every day, get a fresh word from God every day about the pastor. I'm suspicious. That's not mature behavior. That's not, not trustworthy. There are other people in our church who if they came to me and say, Pastor, I've been praying for you, and I just keep getting this same message over and over again, I thought I would just share it with you. You can, you can judge it and weigh it. You can pray about it. I give it to you for what it's worth. This is what I've been hearing God say. And now, suddenly, I'm going to hear that, and I'm going to consider that and weigh that. So God speaks through his spirit, and we can mature that capacity to hear God's voice because it's innately in, a, in us and we can learn techniques and improve our skills, sharpen our skills. And then as we practice the presence of God and hearing his voice, we'll become more familiar with it. And over time, listen, there are people who can hear God pretty clearly. It's an amazing capacity. It's really useful. It's really helpful. So speak, Lord, I'm listening. So we need to be still. And then second of all, we need to be willing we need to be willing. What if instead of going before God with our list of demands, what if instead we came before him with a blank sheet of paper? What if we, what if we came before him with uh, more of a learning posture or a submitted posture? You know, King David said, search me, O God, and know my heart, see if there's any offense, wickedness in me, and then help me. That's a, that's a submissive posture. That's a willing posture. Do you, do you understand that? the distinction there. So maybe your marriage is in a rough patch. Let's assume that that's true. So you just ask God, how can I better love my spouse? How can I better care for him or her in a loving way? Would you help me so that we can reconnect and grow closer rather than further apart? That's a, that's a good way to pray. God, speak to me about how I can be a better lover to my spouse. Or maybe a person would say, you know, I want to stop just coming to church and being a casual observer in church and actually be a participant in church. Rather than, rather than coming to church and hearing stories of life change and dramatic kingdom impression in our own community and around the world through the initiatives of our church, I want to actually be part of that. I want to engage in those strategic initiatives. I want to offer myself and volunteer my time and my talents to be part of something like that. Yeah. Who is it, God, you want me to encourage today? Who is it, God, that you want me to be generous with today? How, how can I be more useful in your hands? Because it's a, it's a position of willingness. What I'm, what I'm saying is if you're willing, God will speak to you. Let me, t let me tell you one of the obstructions. Let me just say it this way. Oh, are you listening? 
obedience to the last thing God asks of you will actually ensure the next thing God will ask of you. Did you hear that? You didn't hear it. Let me say it a different way. Maybe he isn't showing you what to do in the future because you haven't done what he gave you to do in the past. Did you hear that? I, I don't think you heard it. Let me say it a different way. One, one reason we've not heard from God is because we didn't obey the last word we received from God. Did you hear that? Well, you got that. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you the way. Now, I've confessed to you many, many times that uh, I'm a sinner. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm flawed as I can be. Um, the Apostle Paul actually described himself as the chief of sinners. I, look, I'm the chief of sinners. That's how I feel. Oh, Pastor Greg, you're being too hard on yourself. You know, you're special. No, you're, you're not like every, everybody else. You're, you're unique. You're, please don't demean yourself that way. No, no, you can't convince me. I have stinky feet. I'm flawed. I have, I have a huge list of sins. I am, I am, I'm just an average person doing the best I can. That's a fact. That's who I am. Oh, so you're a sin? Yes, I am. Oh, what sins, what sins are you engaged in? Well, my favorite sins are the seven deadly sins. You know, like avarice and greed and, and sloth and gluttony and avarice and lust. That's kind of where, that's where I like to go to first. Those are my go-to sins, the seven deadly sins. You think I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, cor I'm cor as corrupt as the next guy. And I'm, and I'm serious about that. Having said that, I want you to know something is also true about me. I've walked with Jesus now for 50 years, as of last month, 50 years. And I can honestly stand before you today and I can say that I have always said yes to anything and everything God's ever asked me to do. I've said yes every time. What could he ask? What could Jesus, the Nazarene, ask of me that I would respond, well, no, no, that's too much. I can't do that. Uh, now that's going to spoil my reputation. That's going to ruin my status. I can't imagine what people would think of me if I did that. That's not going to be popular. What could he ask after everything he's done for me? You do understand what he's done. He gave up everything and died a torturous death, substituting in for you and me and our sinful rebellion against God. 
If we, if we could see in some realistic way Jesus on the cross before us today, I can tell you what the reaction would be. We would be sickened by it. People would be vomiting on the floor and passing out and running for the exits to get away from it. And why did he do that? To ensure that you and I have a place with him forever. To give us hope that was impossible for us to achieve in any other way. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And so from time to time, he'll ask something of us. And my posture for at least 50 years now has been, I can't say no to him. Can't say no to him. This is a story I've been telling this weekend. I've never told it before. Beth and I had dated for a few years starting when we were juniors in high school and now into our college years and we were very serious. We loved each other. We were planning to get married. We were doing the thing. And one day in prayer, God said to me, do you remember the story of Abraham and his son Isaac? I said, yes. He said, do you remember that I asked Abraham to take the son of promise, his precious only son, born after he and his wife are over 90 years old. It's a miracle boy. It's a miracle baby. He said, I want you to take that miracle baby up on Mount Moriah, take some, take some fire with you and take some wood for the, for the offering, for the burnt offering, and take a knife with you because I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac on the altar for me. God said, you remember that story? I said, yes. And he said to me, I want you to sacrifice Beth the same way Abraham sacrificed Isaac. I want you to give her up. I said, you want what? Sacrifice her. Walk away from your relationship. I have other things in mind for you. Let her go. And I can tell you it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I went like this. There was lots of tears. It was very painful. My parents thought I had lost my mind, literally lost my mind. My sisters wanted to murder me. Nobody understood. I didn't understand. I just knew what I was asked to do. And I did it. Six weeks. This went for six weeks. Until in prayer and listening to God, God said, do you remember how the story of Abraham and Isaac ended up on Mount Moriah? 
And for the first time in six weeks, God allowed me to remember. Yes. Abraham had put the knife to his son's throat and was ready to sacrifice him when God stayed his hand and provided another sacrifice, provided a lamb. And as it turns out, Abraham didn't have to give up his son. And God said to me, neither do you have to give up Beth. He said, I just needed to know if I can trust you with these kinds of decisions. And he found out he could. Now, sometimes God asks you to give up a relationship, and that's that. That's over. Or to give up an ambition of some other sort or variety. And that's done. That's over. He he wasn't kidding. This wasn't just a test. This was the preordained will of God for you. Let that go. In my case, it was a test. And six weeks later, I went back to Beth, and by God's grace, she took me back. My parent, to this day, if my sisters were sitting in the room right now listening to this, they'd be going, what, he's an idiot. Because <laughs> no one understood it. But I'm telling you that I am a person willing Now, my point is simply this. If you're actually willing to do what God asks you to do, there's a good chance he's going to keep talking to you. And as I've said earlier, that what I've heard from God is exponentially more important in my life and my journey than what I've said to God. And you want God speaking to you. But he's got to know that he can know that you're willing to listen. When he speaks, wow, I, don't, I just gave you $100 million worth of advice. I just did. I just did. There it is. Now, here's the third thing. You got to be ready. Got to be still. Got to be willing. Got to be ready. Think about little Samuel. He's a little guy. He's working for Eli. He wants to be respectful. Obviously, he wants to be some, this is the great high priest of Israel. And so he wants to be honorable in his position. But this, this is the word of God to him. Listen, young Samuel, I can't trust Eli anymore. He's corrupt. I can't trust his sons. They're blasphemous. I can't trust the people anymore. Their hearts are far from me. They're all in rebellion. And so I'm trusting you, Samuel, 12 years old, because you have the integrity to carry this message. And and so he carries this message. Tell the people, tell Eli and the people that my judgment is coming. Wow, what a burden. Remember, God never gave an assignment to anyone in Scripture that was easy. Never. (laughs) And God may speak to you, and he may reveal something to you about yourself. You may have convinced yourself that you're not qualified to be used by God. You know, you're disqualified because of past choices and behavior. And God comes to you and says, no, no, you're qualified when I say you're qualified and you're qualified. You can lead that small group. You can volunteer to serve in that ministry. You can make a difference. Yes, you are. 
You can, you, you can lead that, that fellowship circle. It may be that God calls you to some level of radical generosity. And let me just remind you that being generous isn't based on how much you have. People play this game all the time. When I have more, then I'll be generous. And the answer to that is no, you won't. Because generosity has nothing to do with the pile you start with. Nothing whatsoever to do with that. Generosity is a condition of the mind and heart. It's about your motive. And so if God calls you to be radically generous, that means you're a person who now looks around going, okay, God, who needs, who needs to be encouraged today? Who needs a word of affirmation? Who needs, who needs emotional uplift? Who needs relational support? Who needs, who needs 50 bucks? And so you're not, now you're just, you're, you're going to be radically generous because this is the person God's asked you to be. And maybe it's a, a, a go back to school or move to a different state or change career or invite your boss to church. You know, she's driving you crazy. How about invite her to church? Maybe she'll find Jesus. Listen, your boss, if she knows Jesus, won't drive you as crazy. So invite her to church. For, for so many people in our culture today, literally hours and hours are spent scrolling through uh, social media, like every day. So you say, well, gee, where are those three hours going? You're just scrolling, 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 and getting involved in the banter, you know, and you get in these little rooms where people are just chirping at each other, and they've got an opinion about everything into the world, and suddenly the voice of God says to you, I want you to give your testimony the next time you have an opportunity in social media. I want you to tell people you're followers of Jesus, even the people who are acquainted with you. You talk to them all the time. Now you say, I'm a follower of Jesus. He changed my life. He's everything to me, period. See what kind of response you get to that. Oh, God, I couldn't do that. This is cancel culture. I'd be out. I'd be extricated. I'd be ostracized. I'd be, I'd be criticized and impugned. I can't tell people I'm a follower of Jesus, that I'm a Christian. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah, you can't do what God wants you to do either. If you're not willing to obey, then don't bother to ask. And then don't complain when you don't, never hear from God. Maybe it's time to break up with that person. Maybe it's time to forgive the person who offended you. What is God saying to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. It's a dangerous prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we give you an invitation today to speak to us. You have permission to interrupt us. Speak to us today, O oh God. And give us the faith and courage to follow. Follow your voice. Sometimes God will speak to you, friends, when he does, you'll go, well, you know, thanks, Lord. I, I think I'm going to need more details. More information, please. Listen to me. You probably can't handle the details. I promise you, half, half the time that God has asked me to do something and I've initiated doing it, if I had known at the beginning what I found out on the journey, oh, I would have hesitated 
So you just do it by faith, what God calls you to do. That's how it works. So during our closing song, be ready to hear from God. And all I want you to do is be still, be willing, be ready to hear from God. Remember, don't ask him to speak if you don't want to hear what he says. It's dangerous. So posture yourself, simply speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us?